Hi, you're listening to Tales from the Tech Corridor, a brand new podcast series in which I am asking entrepreneurs and founders of exciting tech businesses what inspired them and how they got from their initial idea to where they are today. I'm Joanna Goodman. I'm a tech journalist. My guests are at the forefront of developments in our digital and connected world, and we are talking about the innovations that are changing how we live and work. Today I'm meeting David Benningson, founder of Signal AI, which scans millions of information sources to inform decision-making, media relations, and of course, journalism. Welcome, David. Thanks very much, Joanna. Uh, Looking forward to the conversation today. Thanks for coming. Um, As we're all techies, I'm going to start with um, my uh, usual opener, which is what's the first memorable piece of technology for you? What's the first bit of tech that comes to mind? (laughs) Well, if I I think back to my, my, my childhood, I think the first piece of technology I was terribly passionate about was a Nintendo Game Boy, which I unfortunately had to share with my uh, with my older sister, and so there were many a battle over uh, who could spend time on uh, playing Mario. Uh, but I, I, I'm still a huge fan of that Game Boy, and I, I, I dug through my parents' attic recently to to dig it out, and was incredibly pleased that 20 years on, it it, it still works. So uh, yeah, that's certainly my first memory of uh, interacting with technology as a as a child. That's very cool and even cooler that it still works, isn't it? I want to ask you to um, introduce what Signal AI does. I mean, I do hear that it was uh, founded in a garage like the uh, Silicon Valley big tech companies, but this was a real garage. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I, I founded Signal AI uh, about eight years ago now, uh, in a garage, as you say, which is which is owned by my parents in in North London, and so as you rightly point out, we're in we're in good company there with some pretty famous Silicon Valley uh, organisations that were founded in garages or garages, as we've got to say when when speaking to uh, to US investors. And actually, a funny story when we were when we were starting the company about a year in and raising our first round of seed capital, we actually offered uh, investors uh, to come and get their cars. Uh, MOT'd for their annual checkup uh, at the mechanics next door. So it really was a, a windowless garage, which we founded it in. And my, my co-founder at the time, uh, uh, who's still with the business today, is our chief data scientist, Dr. Miguel Martinez, who was at the time finishing his PhD in machine learning and artificial intelligence technology. Uh, and we really founded the business under the premise of some major global trends beginning to converge as, as we saw it. And I think those trends are as relevant today as they were seven or eight years ago. The, the, the first really being the explosion of information, the volume and velocity of data now available to organizations, and yet their inability to use that data to drive better decision-making within their organizations. The second trend or challenge that we saw many big companies facing was the fact that they, you know, businesses are now exposed to more issues and risks and threats uh, than ever before. And yet they don't have effective radar to get ahead of those issues uh, and spot them early and, and be able to respond to them. And the third trend we saw was the emergence of machine learning and AI as a set of technologies that fundamentally we believe were going to change the world, but in particular could be applied to those two challenges with a view to turning those into opportunities. And so our thesis was, if we could aggregate the, the broadest and most diverse data set that sits outside of a business 
and be ambivalent about media type and format and language and modality, and bring all of that disparate data into a single platform. And then we could apply machine learning and AI that could be trained by experts from within these businesses. We could unlock a set of insights that would help business leaders make better decisions, but more specifically get ahead of those risks and threats and issues faster and more efficiently uh, and spot them in advance so that they could then uh, guide their businesses more effectively. That's really interesting, David. Um, I'm interested to know how Signal AI works for different businesses. So how you can actually tailor your um, media input for a very human thing, which is which is communications, PR, reputational issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got a business and you wanna you wanna get your best signal from the media, how how does it work for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Great question. Uh, You know, today we're very, very fortunate. We service over 600 global organizations from around the world, from Google to Exxon to Deloitte to, to, you know, government uh, in the in the G7. I can give you a couple practical examples so you you get a sense of how the the technology and data can be deployed. So for for one example, we're working with uh, a number of the G7 governments right now, helping support them in their response to COVID and essentially enable them to track Uh, and follow and respond to changes in sentiment uh, as they roll out new policies related to their response in COVID. So as they uh, announce the the vaccine rollout, for example, we can understand and unearth what's driving consumer sentiment. What are people writing about in the media? What are people talking about across the social web? And this enables them to then use that insight to better position their communication strategy and effectively communicate and respond uh, to the very rapid changes that are occurring within uh, within this situation uh, uh, related to the pandemic. Uh, another example might be the work that we're doing globally with Deloitte, uh, one of the world's largest professional service firms. And really what we're helping Deloitte do is is track and follow changes in regulation for their clients uh, across the world's uh, regulatory landscape. And so we provide for them and their clients kind of hyper-relevant updates on trending topics and issues related to compliance, uh, providing sentiment signals where regulatory change uh, might be occurring. And together, we we service about two-fifths of the Fortune 500 who are receiving output from our platform, thousands and thousands of organizations uh, and tens of thousands of recipients who we're providing this kind of real-time update of, of regulatory change to. Uh, and final example I'll give, working uh, uh, with one of the world's largest banks, kind of supporting their chief communications officer and their C-suite to understand the, the themes that might impact their reputation, kind of creating these real-time reputation indexes that enable them to track and respond uh, to how they're performing versus issues like climate, uh, digital and technology, being an employer of the future. And we're able to kind of analyze the heat and velocity of the conversation in real time uh, and then surface for them kind of potential risks, uh, crises, or even opportunities uh, related to these themes that for them drive uh, their reputation. That's great. Um, sentiment analysis has become more and more important with social media, and it actually affects affects business much more than than it ever has done. And the COVID thing is brilliant because it's helping getting messages across and seeing if messages are getting across. There is a life and a death decisions. Reputation and perception and trust in an organisation has never been more closely correlated to. To business performance and, and one of the things we help uh, our clients do is correlate uh, how they're being written about in the media how they're being spoken about across the social web with how they're actually performing as a business and try and 
bring those two different disparate data sets together so they can understand how they intersect with each other. So uh, another example, we're doing a fascinating project right, right now with a major global consulting firm. They want to be the most trusted uh, firm in consulting by, by 2030. Well, what we're doing there is we're gathering kind of media and perception reputation data, but we're also uh, embedding in our platform uh, internal survey data from employees, uh, feedback that they get from clients related to their NPS scores, for example. We're trying to bring those different data sets together so they can understand how trust uh, uh, is positioned and, and how they're perceived both with the media, but also with their key stakeholder groups like employees and, and customers as well. So it's like they're getting a 360 degree appraisal at all times, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That's, that's, that's quite, quite useful and quite unnerving because sometimes these things are, are surprising. How do they actually tailor it to their, their own requirements and needs? Yes, well, that's one of the great benefits of this machine learning based approach, which kind of differentiates Signal from some of the more traditional businesses that have operated in this in this space historically, the, the, the system can intuitively learn from people's interactions. So as our customers engage with our technology and our products, the system essentially intuitively learns from their feedback, their interactions, the corrections uh, and tags that they apply within our product. And all of that learning feeds into our machine learning capability, thereby customizing the platform for the user's needs. They can also go to our product and explicitly train up the machine learning. And so this enables our customers to embed within the AI their own expertise, create their own taxonomies, build up their own frameworks, uh, generate their own set of signals with which to then apply to the data in a much more personalized and proprietary way. Uh, and that's really important because we believe organizations have huge amounts of domain expertise, particularly in particular in specific areas. But often that that knowledge is trapped and siloed within the, within the organization and it's hard to disaggregate it. And so their ability to kind of train up the models and then apply it to the breadth of global data that Signal is aggregating enables them to then unearth the key issues, the topics, the themes, uh, the drivers of reputation that our clients really care about. Uh -huh. So in effect, they are personalizing it. And if they want to, they can include tacit um, factors as well as explicit ones then. Exactly. Tell us about another topical thing, which is the work that you've done for Biden's first 100 days project. Yes, thank you. With pleasure. We, we, we just published some, some fascinating research looking at the, the media topics most associated with Biden's first 100 days of presidency. Uh, and essentially, we use our knowledge graph uh, to create a proximity score between Biden and each of these issues and drivers. Essentially, our, our AIQ, which is what we call our platform's brain, our ability to apply these machine learning technologies and extract knowledge and structure from the data, has analyzed more than 20 million articles to identify the leading media topics in the first 100 days of, of Biden's presidency and then compare his first three months in office to the last three months of his predecessor, uh, Donald Trump. Um, the report found that the, the major themes of the first months of Biden's presidency measured by this proximity to a topic, this mm -hmm. proximity score, have been diplomacy, um, conflict, uh, regulatory change, the economy, uh, with more conversations about the corporate tax rate in particular. And what's super cool is, is the, the use of the knowledge graph in that its ability to start to surface trends that we were able to see Biden's association with taxes rising, starting to rise as it gained more media attention, kind of rising from 13% up to 50% uh, 
uh, during this this first three months. So this is all built on top of our, our knowledge graph. And the way that our knowledge graph essentially works is we gather all of this data, as I say, tens and tens of millions, hundreds of millions of articles and other data points from, from around the world. And essentially when it's run through our machine learning algorithms and we extract this knowledge from it, i.e. the topics, the concepts, the entities, the themes, the issues being spoken about, the products, the ingredients, all of those entities that we're extracting from the data are mapped into a knowledge graph. And then we can essentially map the relationship between all of those things and find these unique relationships, these proximities uh, and, and score the closeness and association between individuals, organizations uh, and these topics and issues that are being spoken about. That's fascinating because also you might get a surprise if you were a journalist researching something, you might think something's going to be the hot topic and either find that it really isn't or that something else is. Have you ever had any big surprises on topics like that where the findings really was not not what your client expected? Yeah, no, of, often and, and, and regularly, I mean, you know, the, 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 one of the big benefits of utilizing a technology like the knowledge graph is surfacing what we describe as those unknown unknowns and, mm. and things our clients didn't know they needed to search for but could be highly relevant or impactful uh, for their organization so you know there's a there's a fascinating example we did with one of the world's largest fmcg businesses mm. where we mapped their 5,000 most used ingredients in their supply chain for those uh -huh. consumer goods products and then we were looking for kind of unknown signals of risks or issues that were surfacing in relation to those ingredients. And I remember an incredibly surprising finding was that a very commonly used ingredient in sunscreen products, we found out really early was being highly associated with uh, kind of damage to the environment and, and damage to coral reefs. And about seven or eight months later, um, you know, that story broke in mainstream media and it became a major issue for many uh, consumer goods companies who produce sunscreen products that this this very commonly used ingredient uh, was damaging for the environment and damaging specifically for coral reefs and we were able to get that client well ahead of that potential issue by using uh, the sort of technology that I just described. And in a perfect world they'd stop using it and you'd have helped indeed. to make the coral reefs safer. Indeed, indeed. Um, turning Back to you and and the garage and um, and and founding founding your business. You're in a way a typical tech entrepreneur. You're a successful tech entrepreneur. You've you found, founded the business in a garage. Um, people came and saw you. It's grown to to look after some of the best known companies in the world. Can I know this is a bit of a cliched question, but what is the secret of your success? Have you got some wisdom that you could share with maybe <laughs> startups that are starting right now? I always get very bashful when uh, a little bit bashful when when asked questions like that, because as a first time entrepreneur, I feel like I'm still figuring out and learning a lot on this journey. And, you know, having started the business in my in my mid 20s, I was I was very inexperienced and so I think probably one of the secrets to, to any of the success that that I've had thus far has been a kind of healthy dose of uh, being aware of what I don't know um, and trying to be uh, humble and and um, self-aware in, in in where I can add value for the company and where it, more importantly my job is to find the best possible people and bring them into the organization and give them the space and the capacity and the autonomy to deliver their results. And I, I guess I've probably been influenced a little bit by my mother who runs a, an executive search firm. So she spends mm -hmm. her life recruiting people and putting mm -hmm. together teams and she's run her own 
a kind of boutique specialist firm in that area for many years. And, you know, one of the things she drummed into me is that building a great business is about building great teams and hiring the best possible people who are smarter than you and then giving them that sort of environment they can flourish in. And so that's certainly been one of my core focus areas, which is, um, as I say, hiring the best talent and, and, and then getting out of their way to make sure they can deliver great results for the company. As you're expanding, um, does getting the best people become more of a challenge? Yeah, I think hiring great people and 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 building a, a world class team is 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 something that never ends. And I think you know one of the fascinating things about entrepreneurship or building a company from from nothing to something, and we're now whatever it is, 170, 180 folks uh, in a couple of offices around the world. So we're we're a fairly large organization. You know that that challenge remains and you have to keep pushing yourself to carry on recruiting the best possible people carry on reshaping the organization to be fit for purpose for the size and scale that you are Um, and every six to 12 months there's a new inflection point where the challenges that you face as an organization the skills that are required the levels of experience that are needed uh, to overcome uh, those different challenges and, and and take advantage of those opportunities in front of you, that changes. And so it is a constant evolving and iterative process of, of building the, the right team, organizing the best possible company and, uh, and getting the best possible results through that, that dynamic that you create. What's your biggest challenges now going forward? Well, you know, I've been exceptionally proud of the performance of the company over the last 12 months. Obviously, unfortunately, we've all faced an environment that has been, you know, incredibly uh challenging and, and and obviously negatively impacted by by the pandemic I, i'm very fortunate uh we're very fortunate at signal that you know the the headwinds faced by many were in some ways tailwinds for an organization like signal because we provide the the, the information and the insights that we provide to our clients are are needed almost more greatly at times of crisis and so that's where we can become great support systems and and, and help augment our clients decision making capabilities when they're going through their own specific challenges but there were many many different issues related to covid from um, you know opening and closing our offices to obviously disruptions to travel making sure that our staff remained aligned and, and motivated and that morale was high uh, even when not being fully co-located um, and now I think moving on from that, having gotten through some of the worst of this period uh, and continue to grow the business really successfully and, and, and continuing to expand, I think we're now entering a new phase for the organization where we want to more aggressively ramp up and scale internationally. Uh, we've grown our office in the US over the last couple of years from a handful of people up to 40 or 50 odd. And we want to accelerate our growth in that particular market. We have an office in in APAC as well, and we're looking to expand into into that region further too. Uh, I think the, the the benefit of the Signal platform is that it is highly scalable, highly trainable, and clearly is servicing a, a really important need for our clients. And so I think the biggest challenge for us now, which is a nice one to have, is you know how quickly can we mobilize that international workforce? How quickly can we grow? And how do we do that in a way that enables us to retain all of the good uh, qualities and and values and uh, cultural DNA that we've got within the organization? How do we not lose that startup garage mentality despite uh, kind of more aggressively growing the business internationally and not all being co-located together? Yeah, it's fascinating. And um, what are you most proud of so far in your business? Well, I guess maybe I'm a typical entrepreneur in in that uh, we don't often uh, look backwards too much and pat ourselves mm-hmm. on the back. We're, we're, we're probably constantly looking forward and 
thinking about what what we have to achieve next as opposed to what we've achieved thus far. Um, you know, but there have been many, many uh, fantastic moments for us, you know, from uh, working through the garage in, in, in the garage and winning our first couple of clients. I, I still remember very fondly the first check that was ever written to us by a prospective investor. And at the time we had no uh, we had no idea what we should charge or price for our uh, our product. And I remember us debating, should it be £1,000 a month or £2,000 a month? And I think I ended up quoting £10,000 a month and the client signed up and we were all very shocked and realised maybe we should have charged more. Um, you know, I remember very proud moments of, um, you know, uh, uh, winning our first funding round uh, and getting that endorsement from professional investors who, who had built, you know, fantastic uh, businesses in the software space. Um, but I think overall, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly proud of the, the 160, 170 odd employees that we work with and the three offices we've got around the world and, you know, an environment that I think um, people of all backgrounds uh, and diverse, you know, um, diverse backgrounds can excel in and, and enjoy working in and feel highly motivated to be a part of. Um, and also the work that we do servicing those 600 plus clients of ours. Uh, and the feedback that we get from those organizations, particularly when we help them through their toughest times or getting ahead of emerging risks and crises um, is is potentially some of the, the the best payoff you can get as an entrepreneur. Yeah, especially in a world where, where crisis communications has become almost the norm. So um, it was a very forward thinking business to start. And uh, what's next on the horizon? What are you doing immediately now? Yes, yeah, so as I mentioned, we're, there's a big focus on international growth and continuing to scale and expand the company, and particularly in the U.S. market, where we see a fantastic opportunity to to to, to grow and ramp uh, the company. Um, we also, you know, are continuing to work toward our our long-term vision for the company, which is to truly change the way business leaders make decisions through the use of data and technology. We, mm -hmm. we firmly believe in this possibility of decision augmentation, as we call it, where tools like Signal respond to a need from leaders, uh, business leaders, and have insights surfaced in the moment. And the, the platform almost being used as a natural extension in the decision-making capabilities of our, of our customers, where before you have to ask, the system has learned what matters most to you and services mm -hmm. serves up these nuggets of intelligence, these mm -hmm. warnings of reputational risk and emerging opportunities for you. And so, you know, we're incredibly excited about that vision for decision augmentation. And uh, we believe that the technology we've developed, the machine learning capabilities, the, the knowledge graph that we've created, um, and the hundreds of customers that we're already servicing is, is kind of shining a, a pathway for us to achieve that vision uh, and realize it over the coming years. Yeah, so you're going to continue cutting through the noise, which is more more and more important these days. This is definitely one to watch and keep sending your signals out to make us all better informed. Thanks so much, David, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Joanna. Uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Tales from the Tech Corridor. This series is developed by Boyce Turner LLP and inspired by their tech partners and clients. I'm Joanna Goodman. Thank you for listening.